Hi, Hurricane fans. Joe Zagacki here for UPS. Your customers want more from your business. You've got to make more happen, whether they're in Miami or on the other side of the world, globally or locally. UPS is building solutions to help businesses give their customers exactly what they want. More made easy. UPS, official logistics company of Miami Athletics. Another episode of the Behind the You podcast, and we are pleased to be joined by Amy Otterberg. And so, Amy, first and foremost, you're a Miami grad, and there's a lot of other things we are going to talk about, but primarily, uh, because of your connection to the U, that is why you're here, so welcome. Thank you for having me. You know, always a very special place when you, when you bleed the orange and green, right? So thanks for, for chatting, Josh. Great to sit with you today. Of course. My pleasure. So, Amy, a monster week for you in a couple of ways, because not only were you part of the first all-female broadcast team in NBA history, but I believe you also made your debut last week, correct, as an analyst for an NBA game on the radio. So let's just start here. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's funny. When you, when you say it like that, it's been a, a crazy, not even full weekend. And two jobs that I, I, I don't really do a lot of reps in, a studio analyst and a radio analyst. So um, incredibly fortunate to be getting these calls and sitting with high level professionals that have groomed and helped me do at least get through them. <laughs> so before we get into like how it went and all that kind of good stuff. So in, in part that was, you know, it's, it's, it's a you know, national women's month and the Raptors made the announcement on international women's day. So I guess I say start here, kudos to the Raptors, right? I'm very fortunate to be close to Toronto because Masai Ujiri and the entire organization are not scared to put women in places of leadership. Teresa Resch is their VP of basketball operations and player development. There are so many women in that front office. Brittany Donaldson, the first woman to be an assistant coach in the NBA, I, I believe, or youngest at 26 years old. So yeah, this was awesome, but they have been empowering women for a very long time, just in a different role last night. I guess we should make mention, right? You're Canadian. You are living in Canada. You're in Niagara Falls. And so you are in close proximity as well. So hence the connection to the Raptors. Yes. Yeah. They've been the whole, they were the home team growing up. It's funny. I do have a deep love for the Miami heat as well. Right. <laughs> a little piece of my home, but we don't say that too loudly up here. I thought it was pretty cool that Kyle Lowry before somebody could get a question in saluted all five of you. You know what? I was actually driving home. I did some post game um, hits right after the show wrapped so I didn't get to watch the post-game press conferences. I always watch them, but so I had no idea what was going on. And I'm driving home and I'm getting all these text messages and Kyle's, you know, Kyle gave you guys a shout out. He said, you're beautiful. <laughs> it's like, oh. You know what? Last night was obviously a lot of history and everything, but those moments were pretty cool, right? Freddie Van Vliet, uh, a couple of days ago when one of his pressers was, he has daughters. And so he talked about the significance of this game and talked about, you know, said words like empowering and uplifting and those are the things that make you like really kind of go, okay, this, this is really special. So I want to know what it felt like from this standpoint, right? There, there's a producer in your ear counting you down, right? Five, four, you know, three seconds to air. The on-air light goes on. And I know you've done broadcast TV before, but you're in the studio. Totally different. <laughs> and, this is, and this is a different set of circumstances. So I'm just kind of curious when you went to air, 
was there a moment, I guess, when it kind of just hits you like, oh my God, this is happening. This I'm in, I'm a part of this. Yeah. And I mean, I would say this, the days leading up, it's been a lot of interviews and a lot of attention on the national stage. And so you talk about it, right? It kind of gets you going a little bit more. And then when you're sitting there, it's the day just kind of flies by and you're right. The lights go on and you're like, oh, this is happening now. On the other side of it is, as you said, studio is a totally different setting to me, but in some ways the same job been doing this for a while now. So I think that kind of kicks in a little bit. I sat beside a fantastic host in Kate Burness and she gave a wonderful little hit right off the top. That's kind of getting pushed out there on some huge platforms right now. And then when she sent it to me, it's just, just get the first couple words out and you'll be fine. And the first couple words were not about basketball. They were about the situation, right? So those were the hard ones. But as soon as that ball went up and we started talking about hoops, it was pretty organic, I think. So when the Raptors first broached this idea, they contact you, they have an idea, and you say? Of course. Like, I say thank you. I say thank you, right? Because it is. It's a piece of history, and I wasn't sure exactly what role I was going to be sitting in on that day, and they weren't sure either. And I said, anywhere's fine. I'm going to do my best to rock anywhere you guys put me, except play-by-play. Play. <laughs> Can't do that one. <laughs> That's very tough. They're all unique skill sets, but that one is, yeah, you have to have some reps of that at least. Yeah. So, um, and Megan, Megan McPeak did a wonderful job. So, um, yeah, I, listen, I, it was a no brainer. And in some ways, again, it's like, are you sure, are you sure you want me to do this? Because this is huge. It has to be great because if it's not, it might hurt women down the line, especially in Canada. We have one NBA team in our entire country. Women don't get to sit in these roles and play-by-play and in analyst roles. So understanding the gravity of what this could mean, huge honor. And yeah, I mean, it was a no-brainer, but it was, you know, it was a couple, about a month or so ago. So I've had some time to, uh, to think about it. Your other connection to the Raptors, right, other than uh, that you, you live in their, <laughs> in their country, is that you do some work for their G League team, right? So there, there is some familiarity as to why you would have been picked for this role. Yes, for the Raptors 905, I just finished my second season as their television color analyst. Uh, and this year was very unique because obviously we did it remotely. Um, I was in the, the, well, you would probably know it as the Sky Dome, but the Rogers Center where the Blue Jays play, we had a makeshift studio there. Um, the games were obviously down in Orlando. And so it was a, a, a very unique uh, remote experience. And yeah, I got to do their color for that. We had a great season. The guys were awesome. The team was good. And it kind of just rolled into each other. So uh, I love that job and I love that organization. They're just A1 top to the bottom. All right. So you had a great quote. Uh, I did a lot of, by the way, you did get a lot of attention leading up to it and rightfully so. And, and I was doing some of the reading. I thought you had a phenomenal quote, which was the idea might've been sort of, you know, just hatched and formed by the Raptors, but it wasn't like the people that were selected for this job that just kind of like random out of the blue, like, Hey, he, she's a woman. And we're doing this kind of thing. Sign her up. Sign her up. You know, it wasn't like yeah. registration for camp. Yeah. Uh, that you and, and and your coworkers have been either working in the industry, uh, or have been working in the industry, and been working towards an opportunity for this. And I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, it was very important, and they and and the organizers understood. Again, this had to be done by by people who are going to be prepared for the moment. And so myself, Megan, we call G League consistently. We call WNBA basketball. The NBA is that next kind of step up, right? The, the next progression. So, and Kate and Kayla and Kia are both regulars on TSN, work in television. So it wasn't, again, like giving 
a bunch of women who have never worked in television a job. It was a unique approach or mind space leading up to tomorrow because it is historic. It is about history. It is about inspiring, especially young women out there who, because we didn't have these figures necessarily to look at when we were growing up. Yes, there's that side of it, but then it's also, but this is our job. You know, like this is what we do. You guys all made mention of, of just, well, for the next generation, they have someone to look to, right? You, the people you mentioned that you worked with, but I was curious for you, you, you kind of just gave it away a little bit. Like, who were you looking up to? Did you have anyone to look up to? And if you did, who was it? Yeah, well, I definitely did. So I don't want to say there's no one because we are sitting where we were yesterday because the women who do sit in those are so good. Then we get these nods. Of course, Doris Burke in terms of NBA analyst, but I always go back to Miami and I, I just actually had a lovely text from Debbie Antonelli. You know, when I look at where I was started to get intrigued as a possible career, it goes back to college, right? Because I didn't study this when I was at Miami. Um, I didn't really know what, what the heck I was going to do with my life when I was at Miami, but I really loved shoot arounds when Debbie Antonelli was there. She just had this like little extra punch. I remember on my senior night, she actually called her game. She made a joke about seeing me on South Beach the night before. And I was like so nervous because <laughs> I was like, Coach Meyer just heard that. I remember my parents were in town and I was like, I hope she knows Debbie was joking. I was at home last night. Like I would not be out on South Beach the night before a game. Like, you know, but Debbie was just so funny and cool. So, I mean, I didn't know I could actually do that. I just knew that I love being around her. I loved her energy. I love listening to her call basketball games, still do. So yeah, there was definitely women, but for me, it, it was when I got home back to Canada after my master's. I took a year and was just, what am I going to do with my life? And I knew that I loved communicating. I still loved the game, even though I had to take some time away when my career ended. It, it didn't end the way I ever thought it would. I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to get into television because if I don't, I'm going to kick myself. For me, when I went back to college in Canada, I did everything on the sideline. I took all the reps on the sideline, which is a very hard job, by the way. Sideline is grueling. But I, in my mind was like, you know, my highest goal is I want to be a sideline reporter in the NBA, partly because I think Doris Burke was just getting analyst reps at the time, like just, and I never saw a woman that consistently called NBA basketball games. And I'm someone that I've always expected more from myself than maybe I should in some ways. Right. Cause it gets, you get really crazy getting to where you want to be. And here I am, right? Like I get to do this now. So it's pretty interesting. I'd say that. You've mentioned that before about setting that bar abnormally high, so to speak, and setting it at being a part being, I think you said calling NBA games. I don't know if you meant as a sideline reporter or in the analyst chair or not, but I'm just sort of curious that seed gets planted. How? You know, I don't know. I think it, again, it's like you go, because you know what, when you get into something and that's what I said, like, I'm not apologizing for being ambitious at all, but you think that like, you don't realize what you have to do to get to the highest level. You, you know what I mean? Like I knew it was, this industry was tough. I knew it was a grind. I love it, but there is also some sort of, I don't want to say nasty, but there's things to it that we can't control in this industry as well. I, I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined it, it. It's been this difficult. That being said, I've still been fortunate to move forward. So, um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I walk into some situations and I'm like, that's the top. That's where I want to get there. It might take me a long time. It might take me to places where I wouldn't imagine, 
but I've always kind of kept that vision, which has been important. So you said your career didn't end the way you wanted it. Can you elaborate? Well, when I was in high school, I was a pretty good basketball player, pretty big, knew how to use my body. And I, you got a scholarship to Miami. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, my last two schools were either the Niagara University Purple Eagles, just over the border, or the University of Miami, which was a top 25 team in the Big East. And the speech was, do you want to be the big fish in the little pond or the little fish in the big pond? And I was, I've never been scared to be part of something that is bigger than myself. I didn't care if my jersey was on a wall. I wanted the experience. I wanted to go play in the Big East at the time, right? So I wanted to go play the Notre Dames and the Yukons and this, you know, the, those teams. And so a couple, about a month into my freshman year, I, ha- I was having some, some pain in my leg and it ended up being three herniated discs in my back. I played all through college with it. I, I really struggled. And, and I mean, it was, it was a tough four years, but I mean, I couldn't be there and not. Miami was super supportive offered to take care of my education, but I had to play. Like I couldn't be there or not be there. Right. I don't regret that decision at all. But by the time my senior year hit, I mean, I could hardly walk. I had to remember, I had to miss the game against Maryland where, you know, we switched the ACC coach Meyer came in. We weren't winning a whole lot of games, but in my mind, the national champs were coming in and no one was cutting through my key in Coral Gables without feeling it. You know, that's how I felt. And I was just devastated because I couldn't, that was the first time I, I couldn't play a game because I couldn't walk. So I, I was done after my senior year. It was very, very scary time for me. And, you know, like I, I always laugh, like if you look at my stats, <laughs> I didn't do a lot. My job was to try not to let the six, eight do a lot, you know, and I still feel it. I just, it's funny. I actually had back surgery two years ago as like a lingering issue. <laughs> I would say that was, that was college, uh, fixing up some college stuff. But yeah, I mean, listen, I, I wanted to go play pro. I, I wanted to, I wanted to see what else basketball could be for me. And I just, I just didn't feel, I don't want to say I felt like a failure, but I felt like I underachieved. And I mean, I worked my tail off. That was the one thing. Like if you ask anybody, they'll tell you I was a great teammate and I worked every day so hard. I was relentless. And so when you underachieve, when you've given all that you, you feel like you physically and emotionally could, right? Like I took a step away from the game. I felt in some ways betrayed, but then you realize when something's a part of you, right? When you, you can't shake it. And, and so I knew I wanted to be back in a gym. I just didn't know where. So that kind of came into the soul searching of what are my skill sets. And I, again, I knew I was a, a pretty good communicator. So kind of combined the two. Now I talk about basketball. <laughs> Next best thing. But by the way, you said you, you didn't care about your jersey hanging somewhere, but aren't you in the, uh, your, your high school name escapes me, but you're in the wall of distinction. Are you not at your high school? Not the Hall of Fame, the Wall of Distinction. I love that. You know what? I don't want to take away from that at all. I, I it's an honor, but I guess my point was I I didn't it didn't matter to me if I was going to go somewhere and be a leading scorer. I played with Tamara James. I got to see what that looks like. I got to give her the pass to give her the record, you know, and that was the most poetic thing maybe in my entire career. And again, it was just this whole concept of I was okay doing the dirty work behind the scenes. Uh, I wouldn't change my experience at Miami for the world. After college, you kind of, you, you think at least I got, I got to kind of separate, right? I got to detach myself from the game, which you've of course have now come back to. So what, what was the transition period? What was that looking like? I spent a year uh, working at a local casino, bartending and serving. <laughs> and there you go. And I always, you know what? Love it because it's different, right? When you just, you go to your ship, you work your tail off, you got a good pack of cash and then you leave for the day it's just a different kind of mentality a lot less pressure in some ways 
But I always say the best thing about that year was um, my grandma, who's passed away since, but I sat with her almost every single day for a year. And I mean, she became one of my best friends and I would have never had that. And I really think that's why it kind of worked out because that's like something that I take her with me for the rest of my life. She has encouraged and inspired me in ways that, you know, it's different when you're talking to your grandma when you're 15 to when you're like 25, you know, and different types of conversations. That's what that transition was. It was me taking a deep breath. And, and I'm kind of glad I got to because it's been pretty exhausting for the last 10 years. <laughs> After bartending, then what? So I, I went back to our local college um, in, in one of the better uh, like broadcast programs in Canada because and I, you know that because we do get access to newsrooms and the alumni from Niagara College it's called is tremendous in the industry up here in fact two women that are also alumni worked production last night on the broadcast but I just went and knocked on their door and I was like listen I don't want to start from square one I just finished five years of school I I don't want to pay for it <laughs> like what what but I do want to learn a skill set broadcast is a skill and that's a great way to get reps um, is being in a college program. So they let me in. It was a three-year program. They let me in year two. Kept my serving job at the casino up until two years ago, though. That was my side hustle, which supported me basically to get on planes or go call games or do whatever I needed to do. So very grateful for that um, job and being in Niagara because tourism is so big. It allowed me to maintain that income. It was about a year after you were done before you made the transition. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically... I, gradu I graduated undergrad. I went back to a one-year master's program through the School of Education, Sport Men. Dr. Mullane, what's up? <laughs> if she's listening, <laughs> I know she's still down there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I stayed down because I'm Canadian. I had a one-year visa, so I coached at Gulliver Prep. The Raiders. Yes, sir. I, you know what? Great experience, by the way. And yeah, so then my, my student visa expired. And I didn't apply for jobs outside of Miami, which I'm not too hard on myself on because I was 21. Who, who wants to actually leave Miami when you're 21 years old, right? Right. But my visa expired. So that's when, I, when that's when that happened. I had to come home and, and I went from like, you know, living the life down, in, down on South Beach and in Miami to like back in Niagara Falls, like not too many friends. It was, it was a couple, couple months of, oh my gosh, what is happening? So it worked out. I want you to share with the audience because I want them to really appreciate it. Like you said you just gave up your bartending job, you said like two years ago, right? Because that was kind of feeding your ability to go do this, you know, other stuff. But you go to college, right? Because you had no, you didn't have a background in the industry. So you wanted to get or I'm sure, some structure, some foundation, et cetera. And then take me on your journey because I think people need to know like last night was glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> right? Last night was the glamour. <laughs> but look at me today. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of grinding. That goes into getting to that point. Yeah. So I graduated again, thought I could only work on the sidelines. Didn't think that an analyst would be a smart road because I just, again, didn't see that. How do you even get in there? But right when I graduated, I got a lot of advice from people in the industry that said, you need to move up to Toronto and just start volunteering anywhere you can. And I always say, I didn't listen and I don't know if that hurt me or not, but what happened was because I live on the border, like in, in Niagara Falls, I was able to start picking up jobs at Canisius College uh, in the Metro, calling basketball as an analyst, which turned into, and this is how our industry works. You start working with people who, you know, know someone or works in another network. Oh, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, Buffalo is looking for a sideline reporter. 
okay, great. They hired me and I picked up every sport possible, every gig possible as a sideline reporter, which then turned into the University at Buffalo started the E3 broadcast. And this is where I think things really turned for me in my career because Buffalo hired all outside people. They, it wasn't in-house. And, and some schools use that as development for their students, which is great too. So all of a sudden I'm working with people that called the Buffalo Bills. My producers and directors were like industry professionals. I learned so much about the skill of sitting in a booth, right? Having talk back in your ear, building packages, all that stuff. And all of a sudden Buffalo's a you know, sweet 16 team on the women's side and their men's side, Nate Oates was turning that program around. So that was a little bit of luck just being there in this time um, that was drawing some attention, but also they had invested so much in these broadcasts. And um, yeah, like I think what this past year would have been my first full year, not with the team, which was painful um, because I love that program so much, but uh, yeah, so that happened. And then Obviously just picking up any kind, anything that's being thrown at me, I pick it up. And then I was fortunate to get um, the job with the WNBA last year. But again, this is all while like serving, picking up jobs. I actually picked up a third job as an assistant coach at our local university. It was crazy. I mean, and it still is, right? I'm still like, you know, we, we were laughing before we started recording, Josh, but like I have one game on my docket. I'm unemployed, right? <laughs> like this is just the industry but I, I can smile about it a bit more today than maybe other days. You know, going back to what you accomplished being in that studio role with all those other women, based on everything you've just said, it's also an opportunity for you. We're not just setting an example like, no, this is a part of what I want to do, where I want to be, not just singularly on a sort of a unique set of circumstances. No, this is, this is what I'm doing all of this for. Like, this is my time as much as it is anybody else's. Of course. I mean, listen, this is, this is a lot of work to sit in that chair last night. That That's an audition, right? That's a huge audition tape. So actually. Well, because there was so much talk about sort of, you know, how you guys see yourself in a role model type scenario. And as much as, of course, that is, there's also something a little more personal attached to it, right? For you, like it's, it's, this is like my time to shine. Oh yeah. And it's. Who knows what opens up from this, right? This is about me as much as it is about everybody else. Yeah. You know what I've learned, Josh, is I, you can't approach anything like that because if you're not really good at what you're doing today, the next job's not coming. But it was funny because right away last night, I'm like kind of trying to get in touch with some of my mentors and being like, I need feedback. Tell me how I can be better. Like, tell me what else I need to be doing, you know? And they're like, oh, it, was, it was good. It was fine. Uh, but it's like, nope, we can always get better. That's sort of the ultimate itch of this industry, right? Is like, it's never perfect, hardly. So you're always chasing it, yeah. right? And you always know that you can do better. It's like sports, right? You wouldn't, how'd I do coach? How can I get better? It's all the same thing. It's what pushes the great to be the great. I feel like coaches are often a little bit more honest than what we hear, right? Every, very few people actually like to tell you, you know, where you need to be better. I remember my first like real tough critique up in uh, Western New York. And I thought I was so good, right? Like thought I called such a good game. And this rep from ESPN, like very kindly was like, you are talking way too much, blah, 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 blah. And like, I literally went home that night and was like, maybe I'm, maybe I shouldn't do this. And then of course, like that athlete kind of like compete level, you wake up the next morning, you're like, no, like that was awesome feedback. And it's funny because I got caught on a layover about two or three years ago in Baltimore. And I'm sitting there on my laptop because I was prepping because I had a game coming up and I look up and he's sitting right across from me, staring at me with a big smile. And we had like the best talk ever. And I was like, his name's Dave Tasca. 
And I said, Dave, like that conversation just changed, just change. You know, if no one says that to you, you don't know. And so these things, and, and Dave works at a high level, he works with the Debbie Antonellis of the world. So when people like that are giving you advice and then you start going, oh, he's right. You know, oh, and, and if no one takes the time to have those difficult conversations, you just can't get better. It's kind of interesting. That's kind of our world right now, right? If we don't have difficult conversations. We can't get better. I have found in my broadcast uh, career that athletes sometimes are better equipped to be in this business because they're so used to being told what's good and what's bad. Yeah. Not as much of an ego bruise. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I say, like I didn't have a big name as a player and I grinded a lot and I had to do a lot of the dirty work and I had to do it the hard way. So I guess my career path has been a bit the same way. And I always say, hey, if things happened easy for me as a player, I don't think I would have made it this far. I probably would have gave up a long time ago. Um, I've definitely had those conversations, you know, okay, what's next? And then when I'm sitting there last night, I looked at Kate besides and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. <laughs> you know, that's how I feel some days because it is a very, very rewarding industry in that, yes, you get to sit there and you get to talk about sports. It's really cool. But when you talk to students nowadays, what do you tell them? And I always just say, buckle up. That's kind of my advice. Buckle up. You don't know where you're going to go. You don't know the swerves. I'll tell you, it's going to be really high and it's going to be really low. And sometimes that happens quickly. But yeah, I mean, I would never say don't do it because look at me, right? If I listen to a couple people that said, don't do it. I don't know where I'd be right now or what I'd be doing. Let's get into the deeper reflection points on, on what you did doing the broadcast in that way, which is, as we've mentioned, yes, you were there as sort of a bell tower, right? The lightning, you know, a role model that people, there are little girls or teenage girls or, or even college, someone that can look at someone that looks like they do, right? And, and the importance of that, because I, Josh Darrow, I can't relate to that because I've always seen me doing broadcasting. I, I can be sympathetic to it, right? I, I understand why it's important, but it, to me, I've never had to think about it per se in a way that impacts me. So all of you have mentioned that, right? The importance of someone else seeing someone like themselves doing what you were doing as a part of that broadcast. So what does that mean to you and how can you put into words for people, for us, the, the men of the world, so to speak? I think for me, anyway, you, you look at a situation like that, it's just, I need to show up and be good. I need to show up and be very good for them so that they can say, hey, she's not only sitting there, she sounds really good. And she's, lit, you know, watching, I watch every Raptors game and they, this is not too far off from what I hear, right? And for the men, it's the same thing. You have to be good. Twitter's a funny place these days. And to be honest, I've pretty much stayed off of it the last couple of days. But um, <laughs> you see some stuff where you're just like, come on, man, you didn't even listen. You didn't even watch, you didn't even listen. So I can't control that. But what I, the number one thing for me is whether it's the man at home or if it's the young girl at home that wants to be here, I just gotta, I just gotta get my job done. I gotta be great today. I gotta be great at my job that I prepared and I worked hard for. I don't know if that really answers your question, but. Well, I guess, I guess, you know, if I can pull it out of you, which is you said you, you, it was Doris Burke for you. Right. And at the time she was just getting into being an analyst. And last night, you know, there could have been a, a young girl watching who saw a female doing all of it. Yeah. Host, analyst, sideline reporter, color analyst, play by play. And that there's there's inspirational aspects to that because that person could want to do what you are doing. Yeah. And it seems for that person in that night at that night, 
that, that that's a regular, a normal thing. Yeah. Where that, that wasn't always the case. Yeah. No, I always say Debbie and Doris because Debbie, she is like, I do believe she is one of the best, but I would say even when you look at the last two or three years, Sarah Kustock with the Brooklyn Nets, who was amazing to get on the phone with me last year. Um, that's, she's been there for a couple of years. I want to say this is her third season, but I'm not sure in the analyst chair that affects me just seeing that. Right. And I've, I've had conversations with Katie Wingy, um, does some analyst work for the Denver Nuggets. And someone literally said to me a couple months ago, well, things are going good in Denver. It seems that they really like Katie. So maybe people will start watching your tape a bit more, you know, like literally that's some of the conversations that goes into the decision-making in these jobs. So again, like, yes, when you hear stuff like that, I, I have to do my job good, right? I have to do it good. So number one, they might look at my stuff. And number two, the next time it opens for somebody else, they can say, hey, we saw Amy last night. She did, a, she did a good job as a studio analyst. Let's consider bringing this person in. Not, not because they're a man or a woman, but just because they're good at the job. That's what I think the biggest accomplishment is. But what about the person that was watching that sees you and goes, that's what I want to do? Yeah, well, now, yeah, like, listen, who's going to hold you back now? Because what, we've been, what I've been saying a lot the last couple of days is if you can see it, you can believe it, right? And it's funny because I was on the radio this morning with my greatest mentor, by the way, Jason Jackson, who has some Miami ties. He has, I, again, I don't think I sit here today without his honesty and his leadership and his wisdom and is willing to, to mentor but I jumped on his um, radio show this morning on Sirius XM. And I said, it's funny. We've been saying it all week. If you can see it, you can believe it to these little kids. Well, the Toronto Raptors do an in-game promo called Tangerine Fan Angle, where every game fans, you know, they take pictures of them watching the game and they tweet it with the hashtag and they throw them up during the broadcast. Well, last night they threw up all these, it was parents taking pictures of their little girls watching the game. And for me, it was like this moment because I didn't see these faces, right? All week doing all this press and everything. I never saw these faces, these, these little girls. I know they're out there. But for me, it was like an aha moment because it's like, wow, they are watching. This is their faces. And it was a very cool moment in the middle of the basketball game for me. Did it throw you off at all? Um, well, it was in the, it was literally in the game. So I was, I was, in oh, between. Good. you're I was in the like, studio. Good. You're fine. Yeah. You can yeah, go, yeah, was go get the, get the tissue and be no, like, Ooh, okay, no, you know what? I know that. Listen, I was numb at a certain point yesterday, but, uh, no, but it was so cool. It was like kind of that little, uh, cliche came right back into my face, but it is so true. When you see something, it's tangible and it's real and it makes it more believable. Being that I've served as a radio analyst, I was just sort of curious how you felt being in that chair, what you thought of it going in, what you thought you had to do, what you thought after the fact of how it goes, because it's much different because of the no visual, right? Being an analyst on radio is a hell of a lot different than doing it on TV. And I know that. I, I've had some radio analyst gigs, but the last one was, I think, about three years ago and very few, but it is a totally different skill set. And radio doesn't get enough love. It's the most purest form of broadcast because you, you are literally painting pictures that people are not watching unless you're my parents and you had the TV on and the radio feed on because that's what parents do, right? But it was about a couple of days before the game, actually, I found out that I would be the first woman to also do that for the Toronto Raptors. Um, so another little piece of history. And then um, I talked to a mentor who said, all right, now that you know that, put it completely out of your head. Don't worry about it and show up and do the game. The gentleman that does the play-by-play, -play, Paul Jones, he's been great 
for me over the last, you know, four or five years as well, just super giving of answering a phone call or a text or grabbing a coffee. So it was really cool also that I got to do that with someone who's been so encouraging of me in my career. But to your point, it's crazy because the way everything's done remotely right now, there's giant TVs in front of you. So it's like, you feel like you're calling a television game because that's how you're remotely doing television games right now. You are also calling off of the screen. So Jonesy, Paul Jones, Jonesy, actually Mark Jones's brother, he's amazing. And he just kind of just kept leading me. I knew just get in and out of points, you know, try to let it breathe. The first game against Utah was great. The Raptors played awesome. The second game uh, against Houston was, which was Monday night was Raptors not play awesome. And I got a little bit in my head at times, um, just because I could kind of like sense getting in and out. And I, you know, like, it's just great when you work with like someone that good though, right. They're trying to like get you in there. Um, it was awesome though. Both games were such great experience. And I have one more doing that. So yeah, it's really crazy week because like you said, you said it before radio and studio. I have, I had never really done before. So uh, I'm proud of myself. You should be because, uh, they're just totally different. Yeah. Totally different, um, environments. But again, it's like, I'm proud of myself, but I, I've been always been fortunate to work with some of the most incredible professionals that I could ever imagine. So I think a lot of this industry is luck. It's, it's luck. It's opportunity. It's skill. It's the moment. It's opportunity. It's it's all of it. Have you received? I'm sure you have the text you've received or message you received so far that really made you smile. Other than your family. Oh, tons. I mean, of course, the, the one from Debbie struck a nerve just because, like I said, Debbie's the first one that actually made me kind of lift my eyebrows to be like, she's so cool. I want to be her. I want to do that. So Debbie was really special. To be honest, I feel so bad because I, can't, I haven't even answered all of them. <laughs> every, every time I try to answer one. Um, friends, you know, a lot of friends, coaches. Because you got people like me asking you to do this. You got people like me being like, "Hey, one thirty, get ready." No, oh, this, <laughs> this is this is this is part of our industry too, right? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's been very overwhelming, but in a very positive way. So, uh, have you have you watched it yet? No, I haven't watched it. I actually, I did a a hit with Jay Onright. I'm not sure if you know the name. Jay and Dan had a show on Fox, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So Jay and Dan were Canadian Sports Center on TSN, and then they moved to Fox. I believe they were in LA, and now they're back. But Jay's by himself. He does a midnight show. So after the game, I taped a hit with him, and it was so funny because he is he's so funny. So I've watched that <laughs> just to give myself a good laugh. Um, good laugh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But I will answer, I will answer um, all my messages before I watch the game again. I, I do really want to get in touch with all these awesome people. Hi, Hurricane fans. Joe Zagacki here for UPS. Your customers want more from your business. You've got to make more happen, whether they're in Miami or on the other side of the world, globally or locally. UPS is building solutions to help businesses give their customers exactly what they want. More made easy. UPS, official logistics company of Miami Athletics. So we had to complete the circle, right? So we talked earlier that you came to UM. Fern Labati recruited uh, you. Yep. Katie Meyer took over. Yeah. Originally, the Canes were in the Big East, then the ACC. We're sort of generationally a few. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I always say this. My mind feels like I'm 20. My body tells me I'm 80, but I'm mid thirties. <laughs> so you got to experience both coaches. What, uh, yes. what stuck out about both? 
I mean, listen, when you're a college athlete and the coach that recruited you gets let go, it's scary. It's very scary. Especially, you know, for me, I loved Miami so much. I loved my friends. I loved the school and I knew I had a really messed up back. So before any announcement of a new head coach was made, I was scared because I was, I didn't know what was going to happen. And then I got really lucky because they hired Katie Meyer. <laughs> I'll never forget my first conversation with her one-on-one. Um, -on -one. I'll never forget our first team meeting and I'll never forget. Well, no, no. So you, yeah, you never forgot, but you got to share with us. Yeah, so we know. just so much passion. You know, she asked me who my favorite post player was. And I said, Janelle McCarville. Uh, because she was a great passer. And right away, she's not a huge name, but I think that kind of clicked with her a little bit. But I remember Coach Myers got these big, bright, fiery blue eyes that'll just like pierce your soul. And I was pumped up right away. And I remember actually in the Bank United Center, she had her first like introduction to I, probably the like alumni, the boosters and the team was there. And I mean, the confidence, she was like, I'm going to get this program to like a national championship like to compete at that level and I was back with the school doing my internship when we were a top five team in the country and I just kept thinking about that because it was not easy for her those first couple of years and I was there for two of them and for me it was like I just I love her I I was fortunate to actually call um one of their Raycom games last year and I walked into the gym and for a second I was like am I gonna have to run yeah <laughs> because her like her energy is still like all the way up that voice. Like once you hear, you know, so many times it just, it, it, you know, so I am kind of long winded here, Josh, but I, I just, I was really lucky because I played for two head coaches that I have so much respect for. Um, it doesn't always happen that way with coaching changes. Um, but I love the school. I love Miami. I love what it means to me. I love my friends. I, I always say I kind of found out who I was during my time down there. So I was going to give everything I had to that school. And I was really fortunate that was for a coach that I also believed in. And I still do believe in, by the way. Live and die may not be the right word, but I mean, are you an avid follower of, of the program? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I love the program. I love Sydney Roby, by the way, if she's listening, I love that girl. Last year, I, I called their game at Boston College and they were reviewing her for like a flagrant foul. And I was like, what? That is what you're taught to do. You know what I mean? It's so funny. You played three years with Tamara James. You mean the mayor? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And Tamara's so, yeah, Tamara so funny because so I had just signed when she was a freshman. So obviously you really start watching the program and she was what, like five, nine. And uh, she's basically the starting four and like running everything. And who is this chick? And you get into practice with her. And I mean, extremely boisterous as well. <laughs> you know, she's in the gym. Uh, and I think that was part of it. Obviously, she's a true. This is my analyst hat going on. She's obviously a tremendous basketball player and her shooting ability and her athleticism. But from her shoulders up, that was her biggest strength in my as, as fantastic of a player as she was. It was her, it was her mindset every single time she got in there. And like I said, I got to, I got to watch almost all of those points. Um, so sometimes from the bench, sometimes on the court, but they all look sweet. You hinted at this. I don't know if any, I don't know if sure if everyone would have connected the dots, but it is true that you, uh, you dished the assist that she wrote the all-time scoring record, correct? we I've heard coach Meyer. We laugh about this. So basically we scored or. 
we scored a bucket or we missed or something. The other team got the um, defensive rebound. And I was like, literally, I think I was just like turning to get back on defense or something. It was a total accident, but the ball came my way and I like picked this pass off, you know, my so like agile long self like picks off this pass and the at the three the free throw line and of course Tamara was down trying to rebound or whatever she was doing so I just tipped her the ball and it was just so funny because it that is not my game I'm like not finesse stealing pass you know stealing all these nice little pickoffs or anything and it was just kind of it was it was it's I kind of think that was a moment for me from from up above because that was my career right like I was the assister I didn't mind not scoring the bucket my favorite thing to do as a player was setting a screen and getting a teammate open for a great shot absolutely my favorite thing so to coaches do. had the coaches loved you then well I, I i'd hope so i always i lie and actually i told debbie today because when she texted me she she has one of my jerseys and she's like oh i'm gonna have to bring it back out and i said deb you i said i will i will get you any shot you want because i know debbie's out there shooting all the time i said i will get you the best screen assist in the world you let me know what you want and i'll find it for you that's awesome that's awesome so we're taping this the day after and I, sometimes after you you know after a big event right there's sort of the come down right like I don't know. I'm going to say, I'm, a, I'm sure you're, you want to, I guess, and you wish that there was another game tomorrow for you to do, but like, are you sort of happy? It's kind of come like you've experienced it and you now can kind of flip the page to whatever's next, even though you said you only have one thing on the books. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. I said last night when I was talking to my mom, I said, I, I feel, I, I guess I can say this now because last night I was like, I don't know if I should say this in some ways, it's just a little bit of relief, right? Because leading up to it, there was so much attention, but really you just want to go do your job. You know what I mean? Because if it wasn't an all-female broadcast and it was just Amy working, filling in as a studio analyst, yeah, there'd be a little bit. But this was like insane because you saw some of the networks that shared this information yesterday. And so, yeah, I mean, you wanted to just get it to go well. And let's not lie, the Raptors were not playing good. And oh, by the way, the trade deadline was Kyle Lowry. Like I said, thank, thank heavens I've been uh, a G League person for a couple years because i feel right, like you knew that right well no because i'm like i'm i'm driving i'm pulling up to the facility and i have no idea what's going to happen and that is total g league basketball you don't know who's playing you don't know if someone's getting assigned if someone's been called up oftentimes like 10 minutes before the ball goes up in the air i felt like that yesterday uh, there was so much that went into that game so again just a moment that was given to us last night because obviously a lot of us got to do that first thing or fulfill this dream or make history if you will but my gosh the Raptors played amazing Kyle Lowry had a mo he had some moments franchise record three pointers made like so many things happened that whatever happens today I know Norm's gone I haven't checked my Twitter for about an hour since we've been talking so I'm not sure what's going on here we're half an hour from the deadline is he still with us I don't know you know uh, I don't know you know but um you just you don't know but but that's like that's what I think I'll remember the most from last night was the actual game you know and that that feeling and they were all the way down in Tampa and and you felt like you were there and you were part of it it was it was it was truly incredible I'll finish with this, which is, did you like it? Last night in the studio? Yes. Oh gosh, yes. yes. That's the thing I've loved. I, I like, I've, so in the last 15 days, I've been a television analyst, a radio analyst and a studio analyst at the G League or the NBA level. And I, I, it, it, I, I that's important to me to be able to showcase that I can do those things. But personally, I, I loved them all. 
it, it, it totally was cool. And, and like, you know, like yesterday, I, a couple of times was like, oh, camera one's on, don't look in camera two. So as the athlete, you're like, oh, I want to do that again. You know, right, I want to do it again right now. So yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, I loved it. And it was exciting. It was a new now challenge. You got the itch. Oh, of course. Now you got the itch, of right? course. But like, for me, it doesn't matter um, what job or role you want to put me in. I'm going to be, I'm going to be excited about it. It's, it's, it's not in our industry, right? You, you are very excited to be able to, to do this for a living. And we talk about that grind, but you get why you do it. Because once you get a little taste of it, it's hard to walk away from. I mean, so it was, you, you, we put in a lot of work to do it because it was new for a lot of people, even for the school, yeah. you know, and you, and you grind, you grind, you grind. And, you know, you kind of get to the end of the broadcast and you're like, Phew. yeah. Then you wake up the next day and you're like, all right, let's do it. Go do it again. Oh gosh. Yeah. If this was a back to back, I would be just about ready to get in my car and drive up to Toronto with a note full of prep and ready to go. What did I use? What did I not use? How do I, right? Yeah. That's, that's a part of it. Uh, it's like this never ending science experiment, right? Like you're, it's so, like you're looking for the cure that isn't out there, but you always think it's like the Rubik's cube, but one more turn and I got it. It's, you know, but when you do get it, you know, for those little segments or that game or whatever, it's, it is, it's, it's because you are, you're sharing stories, you're presenting something. And especially during this COVID time, I would say you're hoping to just provide something even for a couple of hours for some people who are still very much struggling at home. hundred percent. So Amy, congratulations. Thank you. This was enjoyable for me and uh, your week. Like I said, I mean, that's a forget. I mean, not forget it. I was going to say not forget it like in a bad way, but like forget last night, the week, like seriously, that's awesome stuff, right? I mean, there's someone who's been in an analyst chair on the radio side, uh, someone who just appreciates our industry, like to get to have all those opportunities come your way, whether it was because whether it was wrapped in that package or not, right? Like, that's awesome. Thank you. I, I love to, ch- like I said, I love to, to sit here and chat with you. Like I, I am very humbled by the week and, uh, but also proud, you know, I, I'm not going to take away the grind and, uh, Hey, I still, I'm still grinding. <laughs> like the, the work is not done yet. We appreciate the moments when they're great. And then we get back to work. <laughs>